Welcome to Sideburns and Cigarettes, a Lupin the Third podcast, a podcast about a monkey-faced thief, his friends, and their many adventures. We are now, uh, what is it? Is it four or five episodes into part six? It's a little hard to tell because when I go on high dive, it's technically episode four, but it's also episode five. No, 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 no. It's... It's technically episode six. Oh, God. Because, you know, See? episode zero. <laughs> yeah. This is true. Zero. And then considering, the, and then considering the, the topic of this episode, it's going to make this whole chronological thing even more difficult. <laughs> I know. Basically, yeah. <laughs> so this is technically episode uh, 0.114. But- <laughs> <laughs> I'm also more like ne- episode negative uh, 57. <laughs> so you guys remember how you guys remember how like last week I mentioned <laughs> that I'm in, I'm in love with the literary references that we've been having so far and anytime that Lupin references any piece of literature I love um I'm just so happy. So not only did we get Lupin tackling Edogawa Rampo, we got Lupin tackling Outlander for <laughs> all intents and purposes. <laughs> Obviously, he's obviously it's not true, but it is an isekai, and yes, Outlander is an isekai. Because in hype. Also, I think it's th- oh, safe. God. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's safe to say that this is the uh, the better Lupin isekai property this year. I would assume. Agreed. As as someone that's all caught up on. Uh, What's it called? Uh, that manga, Princess World something. Uh, World Princess or something of yeah. the sort like that. Yeah, yeah, you know, Lupin the Third, World Princess, something or other of the sort. As someone who's all caught up on that, yeah, this is so much better. Mm, it, I, I, like, I'm enjoying that, it. That manga's not bad. So anyway, this episode. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, touching upon isekais. Um, this is actually, uh, you know, if anything could lend, could lend credence to doing an isekai well, it is Lupin. It isn't the first time he's dealt with time travel. And I say this because I, I not too long ago watched Elusiveness of the Fog. And, oh God. I mean, there's that. And of course, there's the Kiyosuke Mamo episode. Episodes Neighbor World Princess. Sorry. Go ahead. Huh? Neighbor World Princess. I just remembered. Oh. Okay. But yeah, there's, but there's, okay, so there's Elusiveness of the Fog, there's the Kiyosuke Mamo part one episode, and then I guess you can kind of count it, but it's the OVA, is Lupin still burning? Because they brought back Kiyosuke Mamo, so. And then, and then of course, Kiyosuke Mamo first appeared in the manga. So yeah, that's already like four times. And three of them with the same time traveler. Yeah, Kiyosuke Mamo sure loves traveling through time. Is he like the OG saying, Time Lord? You ever tried? You ever try saying his name in Japanese with like a low voice? Momo Kiyosuke. It's fun. You should try it. Oh yeah, um, like, like, um, like the way the way he introduces himself in the the first episode. Momo Kiyosuke. Yeah. Oh hell See, yeah, that's fun. cool. That has a nice ring to it. <laughs> I, I'm what? an alt. I'm an alto. I I can't really reach a baritone, so. Momo I can try restrain myself. I can't. <laughs> um, but <laughs> but what, do, what do you guys? <laughs> what do you guys think of this episode of this part one of a part two or so far? <laughs> Fujiko, uh, what? Uh, <laughs> we get it, Drew. Damn, <laughs> how thirsty I mean, are you? I don't blame him. All right, it's... no, I don't blame him either. Like she looks gorgeous. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, she does. I was not prepared. Can't... Like I, I had seen the clip in the ending, <laughs> made the joke about it, but then when she shows up in the auto jar, I was like, "Oh, oh, oh, boy, <laughs> this is tailor made for me." All right, <laughs> you and, and every other horny person talk- in this franchise. So then there's also the bit where she's talking to that general guy. Oh, and... yeah, yeah, that one. And she's like touching oh. the, the top part of oh. her boob. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. 
That was awesome. <laughs> I I had mentioned off the record the whole like top of Harley hot shots part do like adjusting collar bit. I tell you what, like I was doing that like times a hundred when that moment. <laughs> it was less like like slight fog. It was more like just a full pillar of smoke then, though. <laughs> oh my god! I guess it doesn't take enough for you boys. <laughs> It's okay. It's okay. Um, I'm. I felt it too. Cause, holy shit, Fujiko needs to get more ink. There's just something about women and tattoos for me. Like, ooh, yeah. But also, you know, coming from the only woman in the group right now, I won't lie. Jigen in a uniform. Mwah. But what happened to his eyes? There's one. There's one bit where the camera's like pointing up at him, and he has no eyes at all. Even though they should be visible underneath his, underneath the brim of his hat. <laughs> I caught that. And I this feel like always that's bothers like, me every time it happens. It's such a common occurrence that I'm just unfazed by it. I'm just like, eh. I guess he has eyes. It gets really unnerving because there's one shot where he turns and just one eye shows. And you're just like, ah, oh, God, I forgot you had him for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. It's like, oh, my God, Jigen is... At least a Cyclops. It's not a Biclops. Wait. No, that's dumb. Cut that out. <laughs> and I apologize to the writers of Yellow Submarine for ripping the joke off from them. Okay, but but all in all, um, so yeah, we're back in the literary world. We're piggybacking off Edogawa Rampo and um, Kogoro Akechi doesn't look half bad is um in this episode and he's also got a new detective friend who just happens to be zenigata but it's not zenigata right i do the pointy arrow thing <laughs> oh god what was his name again nami koshi nami koki uh, nami koshi What's his name? Uh, th- th- that was a great little gag when he shows up and he's like zenigata is like what do you mean zenigata you know i'm nami koshi <laughs> lufan's just like <clears throat> All right. Also, I like. I really like that. Uh, the animation in that chase sequence at the beginning. Oh mm-hmm. my god! You know, because, because like I feel like in part six so far, there's been a few, well, more than a few moments where the animation feels like a, a bit choppy or stiff. Mm-hmm. But not so much in that one because I remember at least twice where someone like stumbles or almost runs off a cliff and stops themselves. Oh my! God. It wasn't necessary. But it was nice. You know, nice little touches. That little bit when Lupin jumps between the buildings, all these like cops stop, <laughs> but just one cop jumps and catches himself mid hair, and they right. all grab him. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that wasn't necessary, but it was appreciated. Oh yeah. I'm just glad that even that even in 1930 in the 1930s, Zen- still has a posse, and they still comically try to grab Lupin, and it's. <laughs> Still hilarious. Like I'm like ah, the same buffoons in every generation. <laughs> Cops are eternal. Yeah, I'm not gonna get into that, but okay. <laughs> it almost reminded me uh, of a uh, of part one with like um, uh, and it's probably is because like a limit of the animation, but there's just two specific moments when Lupin's running and he gets cornered in an alleyway, and literally the animation is just. The same group of cops in the same pose, but they're all sliding, like sliding <laughs> into frame to stop him. And it's just, I don't know what's so funny right. about it. Just the fact that it's all these guys just like just sliding in the frame right in front of him. I remember and that. twice. <laughs> again, again, um, the other one that I'm that I always remind myself of is like um, in every special, every episode, almost every, not all the time. But Zenigata just has like a group of cops. I just come with them to try to apprehend Lupin and the crew. My favorite, right. honestly, would have to be um, Dragon of Doom when they try to capture Lupin just after they they get the treasure from the hull of the Titanic, and you know you see them trying to escape in in the um little boat mobile or duck mobile whatever and then you know jigen shoots the bazooka full of like glue and then suddenly the ships just like glue together <laughs> like that's my favorite one of of, buffo- of buffoons and their buffoonery oh yeah but note to self watch dragon of doom huh <laughs> 
how long has it I been? I made note to since myself to watch Dragon of Doom. Okay, like how long <laughs> has it been since you've watched Dragon of Doom? Uh, never. Ah, Ooh. okay. We got hostess yeah, we, with something like that. That, then. that is yeah. that is one of my comfort specials because that's blind spot for me. Yeah, that's one of my comfort specials because I'm a whore for Titanic content, and um, they wrote Goemon very well in that one. So they didn't massacre my boy. <laughs> <laughs> Can can so, we like just talk? Can we can we like just talk about how Goemon wasn't in the episode until the end? And I swear to God, if they do not dub Goemon Ishikawa is in the house, <laughs> I am going to be so sad. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I am really curious about this samurai. Like, is it our Goemon Ishikawa, or is it one that was around and kicking in the 1930s? Probably going on the tenth if we're gonna go by the numbers, because that because technically be. Air Bunnies, it could be, or it could be the thirteenth generation. The, the actual, yeah, just like generation. how Arsene Lupin has apparently been swapped out with his grandson. Maybe <laughs> who's to say? Again, like I, I feel like there's yeah. not that much we can talk about this episode logistically, or yeah, we could continue with the web theory. Like from As Always Sunny in Philadelphia, because the the hints that I've gotten from rewatching the episode is that it literally reminds me of a story I wrote for my Lupin the Fourth fan fiction, where Lupin the Fourth, her name is Ayame, touches like a relic and she swaps places with another dimension. This was like a crossover between me and my friend Katie's fanfic, but like. They touch the item at the same time and they cross over into each other's worlds, kind of like um, Spider-Verse. But only in this version of Lupin the Third did Lupin like try to steal this relic and then suddenly he's transported into the 1930s? Because that's what I'm getting. Or am yeah, I the I'm crazy guessing that one? The... Well, I mean, that's a possibility, but you could also be onto something <laughs> in that uh, the clock that he's trying to steal could be the uh, could be the time machine. That's what I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm guessing too. Because again, it reminds me of a plot that I've written, and it wouldn't surprise me if that is the plot. I'm not saying that like writers in Japan read my fan fiction <laughs> and were like, and you're not, but you're not saying that they didn't read it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they didn't, because you never know. Yeah, no. But, <sighs> I mean, if you get right down to it, though, what is a clock but a time machine? <laughs> that may that may be the deepest, most profound thing I've ever said. I'm glad it's been I'm glad it's been recorded. You're you're basically <laughs> like Pascal the Otter in Animal Crossing. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> the only one Deep I'm thoughts and cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> A philosophical podcast. Mm-hmm. All right. So obviously, obviously. This time, this time machine Obviously. belongs to Kiyosuke Mamo, who I'm going to assume is in league with Mamo Mamo, who has sent um, Lily back in time to murder Watson. Obviously, but the thing is, you know, somebody's got to bankroll this because Mamo's pretty rich, but I don't know if he's this rich. Kiyosuke Mamo is down to his name, so clearly the dickheads are at the center of the mystery in Part Six. Oh my god, are we going back to the fucking web theory? <laughs> yes. Yes, we are. Oh god. Not this fucking web theory again. All I'm saying is that if at least Dickhead Lincoln and or Weasel shows up, I will be vindicated. And if they don't, I'm just gonna be like, Drew, I told I told you to lay off. I told you to lay off the alcohol. <laughs> like I said, uh, I think I need to drink more to hopefully all this makes sense. but no i kind of love how this episode just throws you headfirst into whatever's going on you just get that bit of lupon flying up through the machine and you're just along the the, you're just along for the ride with him as he gets thrown in the middle of town yeah i loved kenichi kurita's performance when he shows up in Showa era Tokyo, where he's like, why am I being chased? Who is everyone? And more importantly, zooms back. Why am I here? Yeah. <laughs> where the hell am I? <laughs> Who am I? What am I? 
How am I? Oh, I'm fine. How are you? <laughs> Doing pretty good. But no, like I do I I do like this. Like we're we're not it's very much the structure is amazing because we, you're right, Drew. We're thrown headfirst into Lupin just traveling, if you want to call it traveling. Yeah, and you, you guys can't see me right now, but I'm just I, I'm just giving Chris this look of contempt. Like, wait, yes, I get it, Chris. <laughs> but what I'm but yeah, what I'm trying to say here is we're just thrown headfirst into the plot of the story, and we're given no context. And keep in mind, this is a two-parter episode, so the con we literally have to wait a week for the context, and that is really good storytelling. Like, oh yeah. I can't. I can't wait for next week. So, so something I think is really cool is that, you know, as I mentioned before, is that. Okay, first of all, if you haven't read Gold Mask, I apologize, but this episode spoils the big twist for you, almost as soon Already. as it starts. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, spoiler: if you haven't read Gold Mask or watched this episode, Gold Mask is Arsene Lupin. Yeah. Again, it would have been really cool to have read that in the story, but oh well. Thanks to the publisher of the English edition for spoiling that for me. Anyway, <laughs> but uh, I do think it is really cool, though, that Lupin III is now t- uh, playing the role of his grandfather. Like, I always love it whenever they manage to tie Lupin III into his family's legacy like that. Mm-hmm. No, um, oh, yeah. I've mentioned yeah. it with Guillaume in, in the first episode. Like, any, like again, it's, it's neither confirmed nor denied that Lupin III may possibly be genetically or whatever, um, Arsene Lupin's um, grandson. It's either a title that's inherited, or it is, you know, through the generations. Like, the manga addresses that a few times, in that uh, there's one chapter where there's a woman who is the president of the Arsene Lupin fan club, who keeps claiming that Lupin III is a fraud, and that he cannot be the actual grandson of Arsene Lupin, because the man never spent any time in Japan. Oh, yeah, I remember that chapter. Yeah, that's, that's a good one, I liked it. And something I thought was cool is that Lupin III never confirms nor denies what she's saying. Mm-hmm. He mostly just brushes her off until the end. Doesn't he hmm. end up sleeping with her, too? Yes. I mean... Of course he does. Yeah, but... <laughs> I need a confirmation, okay? <laughs> and it's, and it's, it's pretty funny how it goes by happening, too. But Yeah. But yeah, uh, I remember... I think once uh, Reed Nelson was telling me that he had talked with a, a Japanese friend of his. This is about 15 years ago. We had this discussion, but his Japanese friend had mentioned that the implication in the early manga was that Lupin III was actually an imposter who was using the Lupin name as a shortcut for uh, notoriety. I mean, yeah, that However, wouldn't surprise me. Right, me either. But I think that, uh, yeah, I think, you know, it, like in the manga itself, Monkey Punch goes back and forth on whether or not that's actually true. Because there is a few mm-hmm. chapters showing Lupin as a teenager where Arsene Lupin is raising him. And one where Lupin II appears. Then there's that one that ended the original series with uh, you know all three generations appearing. But we're getting kind of off topic here. Thing is, <laughs> Lupin III, uh, you know, having anything to do with his uh, his grandfather's adventures, it's I always enjoy seeing it because I am a fan of Arsene Lupin as well. Same. I mean, I got into Maurice Leblanc through Lupin the third, obviously. And I, I guess like, again, going back to teenage and Natalie after watching Lupin the third and trying to find everything Lupin the third and reading Lupin the first, it was very, it was basically like trying to find every not not every, but almost every adaptation of Arsene Lupin I could get my hands on. And that included the 2004 French film with Romain Doris or Romain Doris oh, yeah. as um, as Lupin, Arsene Lupin. It's a good ass movie. Like I get I get where the critics were, were very harsh with it, but it's a good ride. And um, and yeah, I mean, it, well, it's actually interesting going back to Edgawa Rampo because um, I don't remember when this story was published, but I'm surprised because I haven't heard anything about the LeBlanc estate giving, you know, giving um, grief 
to Edogawa Rampo for using Arsene Lupin in this book. I yeah. never thought about that. Because, <laughs> because no, because I, 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 I legit stupid, stupid ADHD brain. I legit thought of this right now. Like, how did Edogawa Rampo get away with um, including a trademarked character, a copyright, a copyright righted character into his story? Like, why Honestly, does Monkey Punch get shit and not Edogawa Rampo? I was, I was just going to say, uh, Rampo Edogawa probably got away with it the same way Monkey Punch did. Because, you know, Japan wasn't the best at enforcing copyright laws at the time. Yeah. Although, although in Monkey Punch's case, he at least could use parody as an excuse. Although, I don't know if that applies in Japan. I know it does well, also, here in the U.S. Well, also, yeah, like Edogawa Rampo is only big if you know who Edogawa Rampo is. Not many people know who Edogawa Rampo right. is, unless you've watched Detective Conan, um, or which are is, aware. Which is what yeah, or at least you are aware of the detective genre in Japan. Right. Or if you've seen Bungo Stray Dogs, which is my only. Oh yeah, familiarity yeah. With them. Bungo Stray Dogs. <laughs> yeah, I know about that, but I've never seen it. Um. But also, again, Monkey Punch's Lupin the Third got very popular worldwide and, and, and inevitably found an audience in French-speaking Europe. Not just France, but, right. you know, also other French Yeah, and they didn't, get to use the name. they didn't get to use the Lupin the Third name in France until, I think, 2012 with the uh, Fujiko yeah. series. Mm-hmm. Damn. So, that wasn't that long as, ago. Yeah, I know. Yeah, before that, he was, what, Eddie Burglar? <laughs> and, uh, or... No, uh, yeah, Edgar the Camrial. Oh my God, my yeah. friend, my French is terrible. Leave me alone. I'm still learning. Well, I mean, Edgar. You know, if you were to translate the name, it's it essentially be Eddie Burglar, right? <laughs> could have been the, be the, it could have it could have been the Ham Burglar because let's be real, the Ham Burglar is a phantom thief. <laughs> and I love how you guys are just looking at me like. <laughs> <laughs> you know what the thing about it is that you're not wrong and that's what disturbs me <laughs> the phantom thief trope is everywhere including in ronald fucking mcdonald's characters i uh, guess yeah, that deep mcdonald's lore but it's like there is a cimmerillion <laughs> there is a cimmerillion for the mcdonald's lore lupon the third rabble rabble <laughs> so but you know, i'm sorry to interrupt this game of uh, cops and rabble but I was going to point out that we're going all over the world tonight, right? We went from we went from England to Japan to France, back to Japan to France again, and now since time at McDonald's, we're firmly in the U.S. of A. Where are you next, guys? I will admit, though, can we just admit, like, social media-wise, for once the fan the fandom was pleased. If I can, Mostly. if I can just give my two cents. Yeah. I was prepared. I was prepared to bring my Zenigata doll and be like, fandom, point to the doll where the, where the series hurt you this week. <laughs> because you sure were hurt last week. So uh. as someone who uh, hasn't got the chance to read any uh, Ranpo Edagawa yet, mm-hmm. what was like, how faithfully was uh, Akechi? Uh, portrayed pretty faithfully okay. honestly okay good now you, you also gotta remember Chris that Kogoro Akechi is the Sherlock Holmes of Japan right right it's just like I, I'm familiar with Sherlock Holmes I'm just not familiar with Kogoro uh, Akechi yeah Kogoro so, Akechi is written a lot like a pretty boy but not like pretty boy like ooh but like like he's very handsome he's very gallant he's very astute and he's got this kind of like hoity-toitiness to himself um but he but that doesn't make him like it's not like he's he's all out bougie he looks bougie but he's very humble like like yeah (laughs) but in terms of like how faithful it is to the actual story 
it's a deviation. It's not a full. It's not a full on, um, um, faithful adaptation. It's a deviation. Right. Ex- especially, like yeah. Especially when you consider the fact that um, um, it is telling the story, but with new characters. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to spoil who the new characters are because I do want you guys to read this story. That, that's the one thing about it that I've am continuing to appreciate about part six is that like it's referencing literature that I've never read and like some of it I have heard of before but it's like pointing me into the direction of shit I would really like to read so honestly like part six is just a big net positive for me right now if like it's just it's like here, here's a reading list of cool awesome stuff off you go educational again the it. wonderful yeah again again the wonderful thing about Lupin is how much pop culture literature and other and just like anything else it just adds to it again i i started reading marie slave long thanks to lupon the third i got into operas thanks to lupon the third like i can't stress enough how lupon the third influenced my my want and my um curiosity for different things i mean Again, like last week wasn't the first time Hemingway was mentioned in Lupin the Third. There's, of course, Hemingway papers. And then there's that reference in um, a part two episode, um, Beauty and the Deceased, because they took a they took a um, they took a tactic from a yeah, they took a tactic from a Hemingway novel to kill him and which was a mercury bullet. And I can't. Oh, and it was it was from it was from White Elephant, actually. Oh. Was that the name of it? Yeah, it was from White Ele- Elephant. Yeah, that's be that's be confused with White Rabbit, which is a kick-ass Jefferson uh, airplane song. <laughs> yeah, but actually, the Edogawa Rampo novel, the Golden the Golden Mask, um, that recently got translated. That the translation mm-hmm. was uh, released in 2019, oh, so it hasn't yeah. been out for very long. Right, that was the version that got spoiled for me. Mm-hmm. I think that's why <laughs> it did because. Uh, God damn it, American American editors! <laughs> hey, be careful when you go on that Amazon page Spoiling because the moment you click it, you're going to hear the the second you open the second you open the the book description, you're just going to hear that just emanate from the atmosphere it's, because they didn't even they didn't even hide it underneath the read more. Oof. That's what gets me. Oof. But that still should not deter. I mean, yes, it spoiled you, it spoiled it for you guys, but um, it shouldn't deter you from wanting to read it. I feel. Yeah, I, I, I still want to. I mean, yeah. honestly, so far, part six has reminded me a lot of when I, uh, when I was a teenager, and I acquired a tome called the Boys' Book of Great Detective Stories, mm-hmm. and it was actually a two-volume set, and uh, it had various uh, short stories and snippets from different mystery writers over the years. And uh, that was actually the first time I ever read Arsene Lupin. Nice. Nice. There's there's a Lupin story in there. There's one uh, by Edgar Allan Poe. One with, uh, I think there are a few home stories in there. Yeah, it's yeah, it, it was really great. If you want to talk about if you want to talk about where detective novels essentially originated, it all can be oh. traced to a man named Vaduc, who was kind of like the OG criminal becomes detective story it was he was a real man he lived in france he did some shady shit but yet he ended up being a detective so he uses powers for good he uses powers for good not evil later on in life and some academics point to the first literature the first detective novel or short story credited to Edgar Allan Poe. So Edgar Allan yeah. Poe kind of took inspiration from Viduc to create his um his series, which I cannot think of the name right now, because it eludes right. me. Uh, um yeah that was one of the uh, that was one of the first stories in that collection I used to have. Oh nice was uh, one by Poe. Yeah. So um but yeah, Edgar Allan Poe wasn't always about goth stories and nevermore quoth the raven. I mean, come on. I'm a goth girl who loves Edgar Allan Poe, but Edgar Allan Poe wasn't just all dark stories, people. He he right. did he, he dabble in the old... Yeah, he did. Like, yes, we credit him as like this dark and foreboding man who wrote stuff like 
one of my favorite works, The Fall of the House of Usher, but he started the the detective genre that we know and love today. And who who but but who was the person who actually amplified it? Sir Arthur Conan Doyle with obviously Sherlock Holmes. And then that just evolved to a long ass web of so many different detective genres and so many different detective stories in so many mediums. Like, you know, we have, if it isn't for Holmes, we wouldn't get Dr. House. We wouldn't get Columbo. We wouldn't get um, V.I. Wachowski. Like, all the great names of detective literature can all be traced back to Holmes, then to Poe, then to Viduck. Little so thank li- you, Viduck. <laughs> little did little did Viduck or Poe or Doyle ever think that their works would lead to us sitting here talking about that deep McDonald's lore. If only they knew. <laughs> <laughs> also, I, I, w- I want to thank you, Natalie, for taking us back in time like that. Because it's oddly fitting for this episode. It really is. Oh, that's that's you're, true. You're, you're I did. Detective. I did the time. I did the time warp again. Right, and uh, <laughs> you know, and nobody was driven insane by any pelvic thrust. We're all good. I think we're already insane, but uh, <laughs> although pelvic thrust probably didn't help. Anyway, but yeah, I, I just thought it was really fitting considering the theme of the episode being about mm-hmm. going back in time and experiencing detective literature when Natalie just used detective literature to help us experience going back in time. My God. All right. That's what I can put in the episode. See you guys later. <laughs> and with that. <laughs> but yeah, again, um, so far we, you know, aside from the Jigen up the, the farewell to Kobayashi episode, this so far it's literally been, Lupin meets the detective novel and I for one am enjoying it. I'm loving it. Um, If this series is just going to be nothing but carrying that theme, I want a new version of Columbo. Like maybe bring back Barranco. (laughs) Barranco. Oh, I love, I love Barranco. That, that fucking little punk. (laughs) (laughs) I love him. (laughs) (laughs) What kind of detective rides a skateboard? Like what the fuck? Conan Edagawa? Oh God. Yes. I forgot. I forgot Conan Edagawa had a skateboard too. But at least Conan and Agawa is tolerable than Barranco. Like, give me, give me ultimate, give me ultimate death match with Barranco and Conan and Agawa, and I'd be rooting for Edagawa. So, uh, I don't know. It's just me. I feel like we're kind of like discussing things about the episode, but we're not. We haven't really discussed much of the episode itself. This is true. Is that just me. Mm-hmm. Of course, that's is it not is that not the ethos of our entire podcast? <laughs> That's true. Yeah, well, you got me there. <laughs> but uh, back on that, we need to address the uh, the ultimate power couple, uh, Ruriko and Sarantoya, aka Sapphic yeah, vibes. Sapphic vibes. <laughs> Sorry, they, they I'm I, I'm queer, so leave me alone. I'm pan. <laughs> Again, I'm loving this. I mean, if it wasn't Albert in part five, you know, with the reveal that Albert is gay and lives with his boyfriend. We get lesbians now. And yes, yes, Queens. Yes. Also, but why, why does one of the, why does one of the characters look like, what's their name from uh, spirited away? God dang it. Oh God, you're not wrong. (laughs) Drew. (laughs) Because you said it. And then I thought of it. You're a hundred percent. Right. (laughs) Note to self, watch Spirited Away. <laughs> this whole night, Chris has been making a list of things to watch and read, and now it's Spirited Away. Add, I mean, I, I, add Outlander to the list. <laughs> Actually, I love that there whole There he bit. goes reluctantly. <laughs> I loved all the shenanigans on the train from Lupin being in disguise to uh, Zinigata or, or Namakoshi coming in and him like kind of cowering in the corner. And then uh, Ruriko mm-hmm. trying to take off Zinigata's face. <laughs> it was great. Oh, that was hilarious. <laughs> that never gets old. Oh, yeah. Also, also 1930s FaceTime. Oh, my God. 
that scene. A, yeah. that technology was cool and kind of fun, but that whole bit of, of Lupin taunting um, uh, Fujiko, a.k.a. Black Lizard, about the face he's going to make mm-hmm. when she kills him. So he'll ruin <laughs> her stuffed body collection. <laughs> And also, I don't know. I don't know if it's just because I'm wise to Lupin's tricks, but uh, the way he managed to escape, I saw coming a mile away. Oh yeah, didn't make it any less cool though. Mm-hmm. Oh no. Oh no. It's, I, I, the only thing I want to know is how did he recreate that giant explosion sound that alerted them in the first place? Because clearly, nothing had happened to the room. <laughs> I'm just curious what transpired there. I mean, considering. <laughs> Considering his perfect imitation of voices, I guess imitating an explosion perfectly isn't too out of the question for him. I can see it now. He just like, although it is hilarious to imagine, <laughs> stands up and just goes <clears throat> <clears throat> explosion sound. <laughs> <laughs> you know that might be how it worked. <laughs> that's a that, that that's a whenever the thieving like finally you know. Whenever he loses interest and finally gets bored of thieving, Lupin has a very long career in voice acting ahead of him. He's got nothing to worry about there. Yeah. <laughs> but now, now this, whole, this whole episode was just full of like old school, like fun Lupin shenanigans. And it, like even stuff that didn't involve Lupin, like uh, uh, Kogoro coming in oh, and doing saying, that, a double switcheroo. Oh, yeah, yeah that was cool. I was going to say, fun. like, you, know, you say old school Lupin shenanigans, but. It's not even old school Lupin the Third shenanigans. Oh. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah, is the oldest school. Yeah, old school Arsene Lupin shenanigans. It's so yeah. I mean, it's it's 1930s, and I mean, I don't want to. <clears throat> I don't. I, I don't want to get into any deep political nonsense. But as someone who you know, is a historian, has a degree in history, and knows how bad Japan was in the 1930s. It's just so, you know, I did find Jigen in that uniform hot, but I, but, you know, the historian in me got a little bit of PTSD when you realize those were like the uniforms for the Japanese Imperial Army, so. Which is, which I do like how that's actually addressed, because. Oh yeah, me uh, too. Yeah, because I feel like the, uh, the Japanese Empire was not portrayed uh, particularly uh positively mm-hmm. not the not, not, not the top general got kicked in the face by lupine and mm-hmm. oddly enough got that little pilot <laughs> film treatment except for this time it was instead of one footprint it was two right. extra yeah. special for that and guy again yeah i love the fact that footprints were still in his face for a little while afterwards i know <laughs> <laughs> again one great. of the things that that can be problematic with Lupin. There is, I mean, yes, wh- when it, wherever you're going to go in the franchise, there is a lot of problematic elements. And that's what happens when you have a series last as long as Lupin is lasting. You're going to get stuff that is dated. You're going to get stuff that is going to make you uncomfortable. And you're going to get stuff that has a historical connotation or historical context. And again, Yes, it made me a little bit uncomfortable, but it's not so. It's not enough to make me want to like cancel Lupin. I'm not saying that yeah. that's been like the hullabaloo on social media or anything. It's just again, like, I'm try- I'm not judging a. I'm not judging an anime based on modern standards. I'm just you know, again as a historian, I'm just pointing it out how I know what those uniforms were for and the people who wore them and what it, and and what would inevitably happen 10, 15 years later in that storyline and. And the thing is, the show itself, I like it's it's demonstrating that it's aware of that as well. Yeah. Like, it's doing it intentionally. Yeah. Yeah, And again, like, if you're going to watch something from another country, they're going to give you their point of view, which is why, you know, like I discussed, like I discussed with Will in the first episode, Japan will use Nazis in a different connotation. They're they're not going to shy away with using Nazis as villains or address address Nazi Nazism in their media. Whereas here in America, when we have Nazis in our media, it's very much like, you know, we, we're, we use them as perfect villains, but we don't address the, the atrocities they committed. Like, like Captain America, concentration camps, what concentration camps? It's like the Hitalia effect. But, oh, but God. yeah, I love how they did make fun of that. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, side note done. I love how they, how they, how they did that one soldier dirty in the, oh, in yeah. this. Uh, 
And and yeah, I'm just gonna leave it at that. Yeah, because isn't there specifically a line of dialogue in that that, that really that, that uh, the scene between Ruriko and Sarantoya when they're just kind of like having a nice evening together? She points out how she wants to do anything she can to keep it out of those soldiers' hands. So it already yes, like she yes right like 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 our lead protagonist is not you know sympathetic at all to the cause, and I bet there's gonna be like a, like a yeah. character turn for Jigen or whoever this major is. He'll probably end up turning coat pretty quickly i would assume yeah it wouldn't surprise me if he did i i mean i'm not gonna spoil the rest of i'm not gonna spoil the rest of of golden mask for you guys or the short stories of black or black lizard i promise you that but it wouldn't surprise me if the jigen character became a turncoat yeah had a face turn as i say in pro wrestling oh oh god (laughs) well that's what it's called no, yeah, I know you're just bringing me back turn, to you're bringing you're bringing me back to late 1990s Natalie who was obsessed with Eddie Guerrero. So shut up. <laughs> yes, I was it's face turn, with heel turn, ankle turn. If you if you don't watch your feet, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> turn buckles, but I don't know where I, where I was going. Um. Back. So overall. The, you know, I can't wait for next week's episode. Um, the conclusion of, of Lupin in his own Outlander verse. Will he ever come home again? <laughs> or will he, now, stu- will he be stuck in the 1930s? Now, do we know for certain this is a two-parter? It is a two-parter. I think it's... I'm pretty sure it's at least a two-parter because I'm... Uh, on the next episode... Because I'm pretty uh, sure... Yeah, yeah. The next episode okay. has the same writer credit. Um, uh, yeah, because I was just Taku wondering, if, you know, if it could be a three partner, perhaps. But <clears throat> well, it's also because they said on the, if I recall correctly, you guys can correct me. Um, but yeah, I recall them saying on the thrilling conclusion. Honestly, honestly, this could okay. be a three parter because th- of the th- length th- of the story, mm-hmm. but it is a short story. I think in that in that next week thing he does say that. Yeah. Okay. Cause there, keep in mind this right, story so the so the Edogawa Rampo story of the Golden Mask is actually a short story, and then there's also the story of Black Lizard. It, it's a combination of the of these two short stories by Edogawa Rampo. So oh, okay. you could possibly make it into a three parter, but it makes sense to make it into a two parter. Are the are both stories in that uh, twenty nineteen edition? I think or, so. I don't I found the kindle version of, of the 2019 one so i could screen cap my phone and i'll post it on my twitter so anybody who wants to read it if you want to read it on kindle which is obviously the cheaper ver- the cheaper version since everybody has a smartphone at- nowadays yeah um I- i'll put a link to that on my twitter nice okay groovy I'll tell you one thing. I'm very much looking forward to reading Black Lizard because I'm going to have one mental image in my head the entire time I'm reading it. Oh, I'm Jesus Christ. It. I'm not giving this up. Note to, <laughs> note to self. When writing Fujiko in your fan fiction, add tattoos because Drew will like it. The end. See, add tattoo, uh, shaggy hair covering one eye, a choker, a pipe. Again, this whole thing was just like, hey, exactly. A black dress. Yes. Uh, Touching touching the upper part of her side boob. (laughs) Yeah. This is what happens when you're the, this is what happens when you're the only girl and a bunch of men. (laughs) Wait, hold on, you're touching your boobs? Oh my Lord. (laughs) Okay, look, that's what it like she was saying to me. No. Okay. <laughs> you, no, what happens is you end up being the mom group and just like staring daggers at the boys in their thirstiness. <laughs> but then again, they can give me they can give me flag for all the love I give to Jigen, Lupin and Goemon because those those are my boys like hey, and, and Albert. Don't forget Albert. And Albert. But, but hey, look, Albert's gay. He wouldn't want me. Hey, but look though, everybody's got a simp. It's just that's just that's, that's just how it is. It's the law of the land. It's okay. <laughs> hey, I already told you who my simps are in this fandom. So there's a there was a there was a really hot fan art 
of Lupin, of Lupin, of Fujigo as Black Wizard and Jigen in the uniform. And I was just like, why is this hot? Oh, right. <laughs> oh, right. <Nice>. Everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I posted it. I was like, hot. <laughs> Make a drink um, while we're man. <laughs> so giggles aside, um, are we excited for next week for the thrilling conclusion? Is it Bear Catholic? Is what? I stand by that. Is it Bear Catholic? There's a Pope shit in the woods? Yes, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> Let's see. Is, oh, is, no, I think you could have tried. It's a, well, I mean, there's also is a pig's ass pork. Um, what else we got? <laughs> <laughs> Is <laughs> a pig's ass pork. Oh, you guys are vulgar. Uh, one thing I'm looking hey, forward man, look, to. You, uh, you can you can beat a dead horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Hmm. <laughs> okay, so Drew, one thing you're looking forward to. <laughs> one thing I'm looking forward to is that I'm, uh, uh, the writer of this episode, uh, Taku Ashibe, is on Twitter. And I was like looking through their Twitter account right after I watched the episode, and he mentioned something interesting about how when he wrote these episodes, he did not have to like put it into the uh, the he, he specifically worded it the versus home story because I know some people are upset about the main narrative like kind of disappearing, but the fact that he even mentioned that like that that was an option. I, I wonder mm-hmm. if after this two parter or maybe like one other guest episode, if the last like four or five episodes will be maybe the conclusion to the whole Raven Sherlock thing, possibly because Holmes is coming back. Oh like, yeah, that's, that's right. That was, oh, oh yeah. That was the thing, wasn't it? It was. But, but before we wrap up, I think like on the note of the Sherlock arc wrapping, I think it's kind of smart that TMS went ahead and announced what the second half of the series is going to be like the whole new theme with the kind of, with a different showrunner. Because like it almost feels like the biggest. And I'm going to be like a broken record, but the biggest complaint I have with part five is how specifically at the last arc, it was almost like they were doing all these one-offs, four in a row, and they're like one-off, one-off. Oh shit! Wait, the final arc, the four episodes, quick! All right, get it, get it, we're done. <laughs> Whereas this one feels like two episodes. We've teased it. Let's get these out of the way, and then like after we do about what, like four or five, maybe six. Not six, but about four or five one-offs. We kind of take the last five or six episodes and maybe focus on the final arc where it's kind of like we teased it. Let's get these out of the way and then let's have right. some breathing room for the end of it. At least that's what I hope well, happens anyway. Well, and and like mm-hmm. you know, these one-offs so far have all you know tied into this whole Lupin versus uh, Detective and Crime Literature thing. Yes. That's the uh, first two episodes introduced. So mm-hmm. I do kind of wonder if the second half of the series is going to be in that literary theme as well probably i I like to think so i mean Mm -hmm. going back to the conversation about viduk and the detective novel and just how much lupon has piggybacked off um the literary detectives in the past 54 years to for it to come back full circle i hope so because Mm -hmm. there's way more detectives that could totally cameo in lupon the third that are not in the public domain or they could just parody. Um, right. And yeah, yeah. Like, there's a, there's a lot of material they could still draw from. It's just, mm-hmm. I'm just wondering if they're going, if they are going to do something. Yeah. I, I hope so. I really hope yeah. so. Because, I mean, I like, well. just... They could bring, they could do Hedges and Agata. They can make more references to Hedges and Agata. I mean, I mean, I mean, they could also bring back Columbo or bring back again. They could bring back Barranco because Columbo's still in copyright um, from the television network. Mm. Trying to think of other detec- detective like literary characters that are not in the public domain that they can bring. They could they could even go so far as to bring Gaston LaRose, LaRue's um, detective novel, which um, I can't think of the name, but I know it, it was terrible or not terrible. Basically, Gaston LaRue is known for Phantom of the Opera, but he wrote mostly detective novels. And, and, and But they didn't break a lot of ground. 
then again, Phantom of the Opera at the time didn't break a lot of ground. It took some weirdo <laughs> from Britain to make a musical in the 80s for, for, for it to be popular. Well, um, they could also go with uh, Van Dusen, The Thinking Machine. Ah, yes. They kind of did do that in part two. I mean, I, I believe you. I'm just trying to remember the episode. I'm trying to remember it too, but I know which episode it is. So, well, I know the because, episode. I just don't remember the name, but I'll look it up. Because uh, nice. the Thinking Machine was in that aforementioned book I had as a teenager. It was a story where uh, he was testing a, a prison security by breaking out. It was pretty entertaining. Huh. I liked it. Nice. May, may, maybe Lupin could bring in Detective Pikachu. <laughs> <laughs> or Batman. Oh He's shit! I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. He's right. Batman is a detective. He's he's not just some dude that punches villains. He's a detective. Right. He's a detective that punches supervillains. And was directly inspired by Sherlock Holmes. Mm-hmm. He's even exactly. met him a few continuities. Basic, basically, um, Batman is if Sherlock Holmes and Zara had a baby. <laughs> so. uh Oddly enough, a uh, a horse-drawn carriage has just departed from my house and left me a package with uh, a telegram on the inside. And it appears to be, uh, oh my god, it's from Switzerland. Could it oh be? Oh god, I, 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 I'm surprised Western Union is still working. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, at this point, it's kind of odd. Anyway, I'm, I'm going to crack the package open here. Ah, yes, it appears to be from our good friend Guillaume. So, obviously... You know, it's not it's not a it's not an audio file sent to us this week, so I'm gonna have to do my best to uh, to uh, read it in the style of our good friend in Switzerland. So, uh, without further ado, <coughs> hello again, Lopantic folks. Your favorite Swiss knot is back to review episode five of Lupin the Third, part six. This filler episode is also a two-parter, which might be a first for the recent era of Lupin the Third. Like every two-parter, I will not have a definitive opinion on the story until the second half comes out, but I can already discuss a few things. Also, before I go into the review proper, it's my duty to break it to you guys. In this episode, Lupin is being transported into another world. And you know what Japanese genre works on that particular device? Isekai. Yes, my dears, this is an isekai episode, just like that manga spin-off Neighbor World Princess. I know it's hard to accept, but you must face the truth. Anywho, Lupin has been transported into the past, or rather an alternative past, in 1930s Tokyo, where Zenigata is called Namikochi, Fujiko is the Black Lizard, Jigen an army major, and Goemon... Well, he's still going on, but we'll get back to him later. Only Lupin himself seems to retain the memory of his actual self, while the other ones don't act like themselves at all. Did they suffer a memory loss? Were they altered by the device that transported them to that time? Or are they only lookalikes, because they fit similar archetypes? Needless to say, we are thrown into that mystery... And just like Lupin, we try to understand the rules of this world and how it all came about. The idea that the characters are just filling similar archetypes is more or less confirmed by Lupin being recognized by everyone else in this world as Gold Mask, who is none other than Arsène Lupin, as revealed in Edogawa Rampo's novel. Yes, the very same novel that my fellow co-host Chris is so pissed about because the back cover literally spoils the gold mask identity. Personally, I think that such an old novel can be spoiled, at least if the twist itself is not the main strength of the story. It's like Jekyll and Hyde. We all know that both characters are one and the same, but the novel is still a timeless staple of international culture. The episode itself quickly reveals the connection between Goldmask and the original Lupin, possibly because it is not the episode's main concern. 
Or maybe it is. We do see Golmas's attire standing in front of Lupin while he was suspended in between dimensions. Maybe the Goldmask outfit is an actual prop used to channel some form of energy coming from the huge machine responsible to Lupin's predicament. As for the Black Lizard, she is the eponymous protagonist of another novel by Edogawa Ranpo. I actually read The Black Lizard. It's Ranpo's easiest novel to find in French, and all I can say is, when she threatens Lupin to stuff him and add him to her collection, she is not kidding. The Black Lizard is closer to an actual criminal mastermind than the relatively amiable Fujiko. As for Jigen, I'm very intrigued by his role in this ordeal, but it's funny to see him as an army man considering he used to be a gunman for hire, sometimes for the police in the original manga. In keeping with the detective theme of part 6, Akechi Kogoro enters the scene. Also created by Edogawa Ranpo, he shows his skills in a very laid-back manner, in a way similar to Holmes in the first two episodes. Like Holmes, he seems to be Lupin's arch-nemesis, the only one who can accurately read Lupin's next moves. It's at this point that Lupin realizes he is part of a story. And like the previous episode, we are in the territory of meta-narrative. The world is a peak at an alternative take of the Lupin III franchise if it had been made in the 30s. Considering how much Monkey Punch took from many literary sources, he must have read some of Edogawa Rampo's novels. Rampo was among the first to illegally use Maurice Leblanc's character in a Japanese setting. Lupin III is, in some way, a spiritual successor of this East versus West tradition. This episode helps including Lupin III into the larger tapestry of the Japanese crime genre, of which Edogawa Ranpo was one of the most important architects. This episode's writer, Ashibe Taku, who is also a crime novelist, included a cryptic reference to Leblanc's Arsène Lupin vs. Herlock Sholmes with the inscription left on a prison wall by Lupin before he escapes. But this episode is not just a crime genre love letter. It is also a look at Japan in the 1930s, between military imperialism, remember that Japan invaded Manchuria in the same decade, heavy westernization, and a worldwide interest for archaeology. Which brings us to the other protagonists, and possibly the most important ones to the story. Ruriko archaeologist and heiress to a powerful Japanese conglomerate, and her Mongolian bodyguard, Sarantoya. The two women quickly show that their relationship is not just professional. Rejoice, LGBT people, you got representation in this episode. Or, I don't know, maybe very good friends like to share a bed and hold hands in bathrobes while drinking champagne, but I doubt it. The bodyguard is most important to the main plot, as she holds the key to an ancient clock related to the Mongolian history that I suspect is the very device that transported Lupin through time. This whole, who masters time will own the world spiel is too big to be incidental. And Lupin does have a quick flashback to the moment he faced the machine while watching a news report about the clock discovery in a theatre. By the way, Remember theatres, guys? Remember the movie experience? The size? The darkness? The silence? Damn you, streaming services! Sorry, I got carried away. Especially since we would not be able to enjoy this series, legally, I mean, without online streaming. Ah, it's a mad world, I tell you. But anyway, what I am wondering about is how much of this world is real and how much of it is pure illusion, or an alternative reality. I feel like I forgot someone. Oh yeah, Goemon! <laughs> yes, Ishikawa Goemon turns out to be Behera's second bodyguard, and comes into the scene shouting his own name while fencing with Lupin. And that's the last scene of the episode. And I love that kind of in-your-face cliffhanger, because it generates questions. Like, how and why Goemon remembers his own identity? 
is in the same situation as Lupin? Does he believe he is his own grandfather? Or does this alternate world would obviously have an Ishikawa Goemon? Still, it's pretty funny to see the most traditional character of the gang being his own self in this time and place. Needless to say, this episode asks a lot of questions. Not about what's going on, the main plot is a very straightforward caper, reminiscent of Sherlock Hound. The real question is why things are going on the way they do. For example, how much does Akechi Kogoro factor into the whole thing? He does not appear much, but he seems to know more than he lets on. And that is interesting. And thrilling. We'll find it all next episode. In the meantime, stay safe, Lupantic folks. And remember, when it comes to time warps, it's just a jump to the left and put your hands on your hip. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at WilliamBaby, B-A-B-E-Y, on Deventart as ShinRedDeer, S-H-I-N-R-E-D-D-E-R, and on ArtStation, with the same name. But anyway, yes, that was an incredible impression, Drew. I was very impressed. <laughs> ah, yes. Uh, <clears throat> been working on it for the past few weeks, so that hard, all that hard work's paid off. It's better than my take on Guillaume, so good job. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you kindly. And, and with that, uh, Chris, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Dr. Furball. D-R-F-U-R-B-A-L-L. Um, you can find me on Newgrounds, Instagram, uh, probably a few other places I'm forgetting, at Amazing Chris Godby. That's a G-O-D-B-E-Y. Ask for me by name. And uh, <laughs> I have a I have some web comics. One is Weird in a Can at weirdinacan.com. And the other one is Draw O Coward, which is at drawocoward.thecomicstrip.com. Think. That sounds right. And uh, Natalie, <laughs> where can we find you? <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at C A P L I H E L L S I N G. You can also find me on Instagram at Captain C A P T A I N L I H E L S I N G. Drew, where can we find you? That always rhymes. Okay, so you can find me on Twitter at DrewHunter15, that's D-R-E-W-H-U-N-T-E-R-1-5. And uh, this week, you can also probably find me at your local bookstore, furiously searching for a copy of Black Lizard. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Like it's a a new titty magazine. The imagination is powerful, my friends. That's what my that's what my gra- that's what my grandma used to call it. R.I.P. Grandma. She used to call them titty magazines. <laughs> I was saying, I can see you know Black Lizard being the title of a uh, subculture magazine of some sort. Oh yeah, I, 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 I think that was a nickname for someone in in the King community here in San Francisco. <laughs> well, see there, yeah, good band name too. Um. Yeah, um, but you can also find the podcast on where can, where can you find us, Drew? Uh, so you can find us on Twitter at Lupin Pod. That's L U P I N P O D. You can find us on Instagram at the uh, the same ad L U P I N L U P I N L U P I N P O D L U P I N P O D P I N. Um. But on the subject of our podcast, you can listen to us on SoundCloud, on Spotify, and of course, Apple Podcasts. And if you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please, when you get a chance, give us a like, give us a comment, give us five stars. Give us five bucks. Put on that. Yeah. <laughs> give us. <laughs> engage with us, please. We, some of us ha- don't have a life. <laughs> five stars. Give us that Cinco. <laughs> oh God. Oh Lord. Oh boy. This has been a on that on that note, this has been a fun night. My cheeks are really hurting <laughs> because I've been doing nothing but laughing. And yeah, we'll see you next week, Lupontic folks. Um, good night.
Sideburns and cigarettes. The thrilling conclusion to this two-parter episode. Will Lupin ever return home to the present? Will he fall in love with Black Lizard and have a family with her? Will Jigen find out who he really is? And what's the deal with Goemon? Who's to say on the next episode of Looplander? Meanwhile, Goemon has apparently shown up in the past as well and tells Lupin, come with me if you want to live. Strange things are afoot at the Shigatomi exhibit. Let's do the time warp again, do 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 do.